Hi, I'm Jay Abraham. By day, I grow businesses for a living. But today, we're going to talk about a lot of things, the meaning of life, uh, hopes, dreams, the human condition, and things that go bump in the night. And I think it'll be very, very intriguing and stimulating. Welcome back to another delicious episode of Curiosity Bites. This episode is brought to you in part by the Awesome Music Project, bringing music, story, and mental health together. All proceeds from the Awesome Music Project campaign go to music mental health research initiatives. You can find out more about the beautiful Awesome Music Project coffee table book and in the usual places, you know, Amazon or wherever it is. The book features stories by amazing people like astronaut Chris Hadfield and award-winning artists like Michael Bublé, Sarah McLaughlin, and there's even some guy with a weird name like Dog or something. Oh yeah, Dove, Dove Baron. So there's all kinds of great stories in there. You can find out more about the Awesome Music uh, Project and the AMP Foundation at theawesomemusicproject.com. All right, welcome back. Our guest on this delicious episode is the founder and CEO of the Abraham Group. He is a man often referred to as a marketing genius of our time. Jay Abraham has significantly increased the bottom line of over 10,000 clients and more than 1,000 industries worldwide. He's very well known. If you don't know who Jay Abraham is in the marketing world, you've probably been sleeping under a rock somewhere. <laughs> and the first, uh, in the first part of the show, we were looking at what, what, what Jay finds himself curious about at this time. We talked about, uh, we touched on conscious capitalism and we've talked a lot about dignity and value of human beings uh, and even touched in on what preeminence is. And one of the things we, we finished up on was this idea that people show up with problems that are not the real problem they are what I call the, uh, they are the, the lubricant to the problem. They don't know that very often, but it is. So let's talk about that for you, um, Jay, because that is what people come to you. They say, okay, you know, I've got this business and it's not, it's, you know, it's not working or I'm not making enough money. And you, the guy, you know, you're the multiple, you know, you, you multiply everything. But that's not the problem. How quick is it for you to see that they're asking the wrong question? Um, a millisecond? <laughs> yeah, that's what I would have thought is your answer. But the, the question is to confront them. I have found that the way to really transform them is to help them come to the realization and answer themselves. Yes. If I tell them they're going to, they're going to have uh, a, uh, they're going to recoil and reject. If I, so I'll go through a Socratic process to help them identify the real cause or the real stimulus or the real issue. And, and I'll do it through questions that I let them answer. Mm -hmm. I'll do it. Uh, I'm in, you know, it's, I believe it's only a matter of time till you get to the outcome you're after as the, whatever you want to call the function we, but it's not always, I can do it rapidly, but I think when you crock cook instead of flash sear, 
it has more uh, more legs and more more impact to it. So it's it, I'll spend whatever time I need. However, I do very rapid ones. Tony Robbins and I have a once a year we get together with these very very high end people, and they stand in line. It's it's almost it's fascinating. We'll have 200 people standing in line and they have five minutes, maybe seven, to ask and get answered their biggest question, issue, challenge, uh, opportunity relative to their business. Mm -hmm. And the biggest problem that we have to deal with is two things. One is they're always looking at symptoms, not cause, and they don't ask questions about cause and we have to help them reverse engineer that that's not really the question they're asking. Mm -hmm. Maybe the what's words are coming out of their mind, but it's not the question. And the second, which is equally as important, is if the assumption that is predicated is wrong, everything that flows from it is wrong. And most of these people will, will give you a, a, an issue based on an erroneous assumption. So you have to not just go to what's the cause, but you know, what's the assumption here? The assumption is I've tried everything. And then you'll say, okay, well, tell me the last 25, this is, or the last, you know, did this you've tried. And they'll go, well, what do you mean? <laughs> I'll say, well, everything there, you know, you got, a, you know, 500 options here, let's go through them. But you have to help them realize even their, their definitions are flawed, but you have to do it it, I mean, empathic, compassionate, uh, and, and a constructive way where you're not trying to egotistically show them how much brighter you are. You're trying to transfer. It's a knowledge and, 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 and an expanded worldview. You're trying to flip benevolently and expand their, their business worldview. And, and actually, below that, and more, more meaningful, you're trying to expand their their humanness, because that is the driver of most of it. Yeah, it's, I mean, the example I like to give a, in a simple form is, um, you, you know, the couple comes and, and they say, well, you know, we're on the brink of a divorce. Okay, what happened? He had an affair. Okay, is that the problem? Yeah, yeah no, that's not the problem. That's a symptom of other problems. Well, yeah. if she just, if he just, no, no. No, no, no. Those are all, as you said, the, the presuppositions that are way off. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to blame. <laughs> I'll give you that. It's easier to blame. It's not going to get you any solutions, but you get to egoically feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I find, and it's actually, it, it, I find it very uh, fulfilling to take the time to help people shift how they look at their world and their situation. Because if you do it right, it's not just for that application. You have instilled and installed in them the ability to use that reference frame and that, that lens in all future aspects and all current aspects of their life. So it's a great gift. Yeah, and one of the things, I mean, I love that you just said that because one of the things I'll say to a client when I go in, whether it's a, you know, a founder of an organization or, or, or CEO or whatever it is, and, and I'll, maybe I'll be working with the team and I'll say, here's what I want you to know. If what we do here around your business doesn't impact your marriage, your friendship and your parenting, I haven't done my job. 
exactly. and they go, what do you mean? And that's because it, you are the cause, you're a root cause of everything. So when you transform you, of course, your business transforms, you start looking at the right problems, you, you look at your kids differently, you look at relationships differently. And I love that you actually uh, are, are doing that too, which is, is great. We need more of this in the world, not less. There is no competition. It, this is like, let's do this in the world. Well, it's interesting. When I introduced the strategy of preeminence, I, I it was accidental in the beginning. And then I realized that it had more relevance in how they conducted the totality of their life, not just their business world. And I would get reports of people's marriage improving, their their uh, their their sense of of uh, of grounded in their life, their happiness, their impact, their their children, the, the, the joy they got out of living. And I realized, I mean, quite accidentally, and that, you know, you're, unless you're stupid, when an accident hits you in the face, you recognize it, and then you embrace it, and then you incorporate that uh, discovery into all your work. But yeah, I mean, we're not, the, the biggest problem, I think a lot of entrepreneurs who are uh, driven, as you say, by Ayn they, they, they don't understand that life is about a lot of factors that if you're off balance or out of balance, then uh, the whole the whole machine is going to malfunction and it's it'll catch up with you. You know, in other words, if if my car runs, but the brakes are almost ready to give out, sooner or later, uh, it's a catastrophe. If, Absolutely. And people just don't understand that until they're over the edge. And I try very hard to make that evident early enough so that you know they don't crash on the on the on the shore but or on the rocks, but not always, but you try your best. So it sounds like there was a moment for you, or not maybe not a moment, but maybe several moments where you started looking at these things, what you do at a deeper level than just the marketing. It seems like there was a shift for you. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that was for you or what that's been for you? Yeah, and it was a multiple shift. It, it expanded dramatically my knowledge and understanding and ability, but also my empathy and my, my humanism. So when I did seminars, and I did them for many years, and we mm. did a lot of them around the world, I liked having everybody open up and vulnerably share what they were thinking, what they were feeling, mm -hmm. making them really open up to the audience. And I, I did it from people representing hundreds of industries. Sure. So I got all of a sudden one day after doing it a lot, besides expanding my understanding of all the different motives, motivators, applications, I started seeing similarities and and um, and and commonalities in the human condition, however it was expressed, and it made an impact on me. I was always successful for others, but I was actually more callous and more superficial. And then all of a sudden, when I I, I was forced because of the process I was using every two hours to experience 30 different people expressing the depths of how they saw things and and mm. and their excitement or their you know their tentativeness and their it it just opened up uh, a, a an understanding of 
entrepreneurs, you meet, and just was, and it accelerated that. And I used to do these every month around the world. So even through translation, the 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 process produced very much the same outcome. And it just it just penetrated me at a level of compound or almost geometric empathic understanding and expansive appreciation. And that shifted me totally because I became much more aware, much more fascinated and uh, and uh, and I guess the word would be uh, committed to helping everybody see to the extent you know that their lens was wide or deep enough those those elements so that they could basically uh, evaluate how much of that they might want to incorporate into the you know the fabric of their being and it was really a, it was quite profound but it happened uh, I was very successful uh, too young probably in the 70s and the 80s but in the 90s this shift happened and it changed totally it's when I came up with preeminence and my work on greatness and all these other elements that were and 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 much more much more depth of empathic understanding and appreciation uh, just all those things happened, and it was a byproduct of being of accidentally forcing myself to observe and 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 experience so many facets of of the human condition manifest certainly in business, but in in them being vulnerable and explaining hopes, dreams, fears, uh, you know, uncertainties. It just was really a very very profound period for me. So. Like I said, I, I've, I met you almost 20 years ago, and I can see it. I can see that there's a different guy in front of me than there was 20 years ago, and probably different again than, than 30 years ago. Um, I don't expect that you would remember what I was like, but I definitely remember what you were like because I was first time I was sitting in the audience watching you. Um, there, is, there is an esteem given to the expert, we, you know, it's what you were talking about before about the, the presupposition of, oh, this person's been, and they must be, and so therefore, the that. There's all these presuppositions about who people are. Um, and I think that, you know, when I asked the question at the beginning of, is there life after success? What I'm actually asking is, you know, do we, how much of, do we buy into this identity that we've we've worked hard for i mean we've you know we've we've established ourselves we've had success we've made a difference we've done the things but we buy into the identity and oftentimes we lose ourselves in the facade of the identity do you think you recognized your facade at any point or, did, or was it a fading away or you know how did it work for you yeah i think i'll tell you what i think uh that Yes, but it happened through uh, through adversity mm -hmm. and, and catharsis. If I can make this not do that, hold on one second. One second. I went through uh, uh, the the biggest year of my earning life. I was making tens of millions of dollars, and I was an arrogant, uh, you know what? And I went through a divorce. I was. Just a nasty person, but I was very talented, nasty person. Yep. And I started the divorce with 
millions of dollars in the bank and making millions and I ended owing millions and very humble. <laughs> and I'd never been controlled. I was too freeform at the system, all the accountants and the attorneys and the hangers on. And, 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 and then I went through a custody battle, which I thought I would win. And I realized that I wasn't a very good father because I didn't even have answers in court to the names of my kids' teachers. And I that was humbled. And then I built this seminar business that we did a quarter billion dollars in three years, but I had partners that were uh, totally, totally out of alignment with my emerging values. And I couldn't get out of it. And it cost me 30 or $40 million to get out of it. And I went from up here to down here, but to mm. having insight into finally knowing who and what I was and sort of the Shakespeare quote to thine own self be true. I got clarity of what was important and it changed everything. I was not happy losing, you know, a hundred million dollars, but it, that that the catharsis and the and the uh, being knocked down gave me that humility I'm talking about, and I think I changed dramatically from that. And I think it, that most people don't change when things are great. <laughs> no, when they go through adversity, catharsis. I had some health issues at the time. Uh, somebody thought that I I, I was I'm, I'm a obsessive uh, compulsive, and uh, I used to basically uh, because I could get it. If you know what uh, colloidal gold is, do you know what that is? So I used to have people give me ten thousand dollar five gallon bottles, and I would drink uh, tons of it, and I would eat pounds of of blue-green algae, and all of a sudden, everyone thought I had ALS, and it was really all that mercury screwing me up, and I had, it said I was going to die, and then all of a sudden, you think about it, and you go through those things, and I had a, a, a bunch of them, and, and uh, it was actually a wonderful godsend, because when you have your life sort of to confront, and you look back, and all the things that seemed relevant are illusory and you and you say well what's important if i have a minute an hour a day what's important to me what's important that i do for others what do i mean and i started asking this question what do i stand for mm -hmm. who do i stand for <clears throat> why do i stand for it what's it mean how am i expressing it am i in and and, and i started asking you know pretty deep questions and not always getting good answers that I liked. And, and I had, you know, I had to work on it. I still have a lot of work to do, but that was, I mean, I don't know if that answer is complete, um, you know. Well, is yeah, it does. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, you're talking about there of, you had to, you know, you had to wait until the point of pain because it's fascinating to me in my work in, in understanding that, if I or someone like me had to come to you, because I'm the guy that people come to in that moment, if I'd have come to you two years before the divorce, two years before all those losses, yes. you'd have probably told me to bugger off. Everything's great. Mind yeah. your own business. You're right. And that, that's the challenge. This is the challenge is, is again, peeling off 
the layers of, of quote, success, esteem to discover the soul that, you know, um, I don't know if you know this about me, Jay, but in June 1990, I fell off a mountain while free climbing and fell 120 feet and got smashed to pieces. No, I didn't. My life came to an end, or as I like to say, I fell 120 feet from a self-imposed pedestal and landed on my ego. Ah, that's right? So I, you know, I got devastated. I was very successful in, in my terms at that point. Um, and then I had to re-examine my life. And if you'd have asked me five minutes before I fell, are you on purpose, Dove? Absolutely. Do you need to do any of this? No. And by the way, when I fell, I was 32 years old. And I had been in therapy and done work and gone to workshops and, and had been a Jungian therapist. I started all that work at 19. So it wasn't like I was new to this thing. And then I took a fall for me to realize. And, and people will often say, is that the moment to change your life? No. Everybody thinks it is. It's not. Because when the ego is embedded, the ego digs in. So what does that mean? I fell off the mountain, got smashed up. And people would say to me, how are you doing? And I'd say, I'm great. I'm coming back. And I had my jaw wired closed. There is no back. But you know what? I fell in June. In November, I went bungee jumping 140 feet to prove I was okay. In the Nanaimo River, close to where Dave is, actually, <laughs> into the Nanaimo River. And it wasn't until after that, later on, that I kind of worked it out. And then what happened was, may I just tell you the little bit of the story? Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that happened was this. Um, I was constantly saying, I'm great, I'm coming back. And I would go out on these nights out with my mates. And they'd be like, you know, let's take you out and give you a night out. And I'd, and I'd be out and I'd be miserable. And I think, oh, my God, I've got no sense of humor, you know that's been killed off and i thought oh i'm gonna be miserable the rest of my life and then i had a night out with the lads and i had a great night i had a lot of fun i laughed it was great and i came was coming home and as i was coming home i was in a, just a great mood and i was thinking okay i'm coming back this is good i'm actually gonna be all right and i opened the door to my kitchen out of for the outside and the light came in and across the floor was festooned garbage everywhere there was cat litter, there was empty cans, meat packets. It smelled horrible. I knew exactly who the culprit was. And I went from being in pure joy to pure rage. I went looking for the culprit and I wanted to kill. I had kill in my brain. And I got into the living room and there was the culprit curled up looking all cozy on the couch. And I lifted my hand to strike. That's not who I am. And realized I can't do that. Stopped scooped my arms up and picked my cat up in my arms and the cat was cold and the cat was dead and i fell to my knees and i began to sob not cry sob like <gasps> and it was only within a few minutes i realized i'm not crying for the cat i'm crying for the life that's gone there is no back and it was at that moment that i realized i have three choices I can keep trying to go back. That isn't working. I can stay here, which is, was deliciously seductive in the victim mental space of, you know, well, I gave it all I had and this shitty thing happened to me. I'm a victim of it. Or the third place was, okay, this is an end in order to create a beginning. Why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? 
and I'd already traveled the world, studied with spiritual masters, been in therapy, done all those things and suddenly realized, you know what, mate, you have not gone below, you know, you need to go deeper. And it was that moment. And it was the nine months after that, that was the change, not the fall. So I say you have these pivotal moments. Yes. So like your wife says, Oh, I want a divorce. That's a pivotal moment. You have a heart attack. That's, that's a pivotal moment, but that's not where you change. You're changing a choice point. And the choice point only comes when you can go back to normal. When things, I could just pick it up again. Cause remember I walked in feeling, Oh, I'm coming back. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to go back to normal. It's at that moment of choosing something else that is where everything changes. And that's so powerful. That's very profound. I, I, I mean, thanks for sharing that. I think one of the things that both of us are saying between the lines, and I think this is very important for anybody, mm -hmm. is, is vulnerability isn't a weakness. It's a strength. We perceive it as a weakness until we understand it's a strength. So people go, yeah, I get it. You know, I've listened to Brene Brown. No, you don't get it. Until you've experienced it, you don't know that it's a strength. You conceptually understand it. Yes. You understand it because you've heard me speak about it. You've heard understand it because Jay spoke about it. You've heard, you understand it because Brene Brown spoke about it beautifully. But until you experience it, you will never know the value of it. And even when you begin to experience it, you'll want to run away like you've got a rocket up your ass to just get away from it. But it is the most valuable. Well, and you see a lot of the people who want to be gurus, yeah. they put themselves as being omnipotent. And, and, and I don't think they realize, I mean, I have always... Uh, well, not always, since I had that, you know, I love basically showing people I've got so many imperfections, just like you do. You know, the human being is an imperfect and wonderful soul, always working through it with the great, great um, ability to constantly improve. And, and you know, it's, uh, but I think people think that that their aspiration is to be this perfect uh omnipotent soul which is a terrible i mean it's such a you know such a very unachievable goal to go after and i think that's probably why a lot of people are frustrated well i think that on one side you've got this um desire for massive wealth and financial abundance and on the other side of it often polarized is the absolutely enlightened being both of those things are a complete waste of time. Uh, there's a there's a there's a there's a meme online of me, and it's me holding a sign, and it says, "I used to be enlightened, but I'm all right now." <laughs> I love it, <laughs> right? It's like because that pursuit was so empty, like it, because people were holding me to a standard that didn't let my humanity come through, and so I'm not allowed to be there. When my wife and I first started dating. We were in the first couple of months and something had happened and I'd had a conversation with my father, which was never a good thing to do. Uh, my father was a narcissist. He's dead now, um, but he was a narcissist and very destructive. And I had a conversation with him and my wife, or my, that girlfriend at that time came home and, and she said, are you okay? And I said, no. And she said, what is it? I said, can you hold me? And she said, sure. And she sat on the couch and I wanted to be held like a baby. I just wanted to be held. And I sobbed. 
I just let myself cry for probably 20 minutes. And at the end of it, I said, you know, thank you. She's okay now. I go, yeah. I said, I really want to thank you for just, just holding me, not saying anything, just holding me. And she goes, oh, oh, you know, it was good. And she goes, are you okay now? And I said, yeah, I am. And she said, you know, what was it? And I said, it doesn't matter. But if you want to know, I'll tell you. She goes, well, I, I, you know, I, I had this conversation with my dad. She, and she, oh, okay. She, she, I go, you look worried now. She goes, well, I kind of am. And I said, why? She goes, well, I see you as kind of a rock. Nothing, nothing moves, nothing gets you there. And I lost my shit. I said, I am not a rock. Rocks do not have feelings. I'm a human being. I am flawed. I am damaged. I have feelings. I hurt. Yeah, I'm strong. Yes, I'm powerful. Yes, I'm insightful. All those things. But that doesn't take away my fragility, my humanity. I'm as fragile as any other human being. And I may be as powerful as any human being. I've tapped into certain things for sure. But my fragility hasn't gone away. That's what makes us all beautiful. And I love the way you said that. I love that word. It's, I just think we, we, uh, we avoid recognition. And I don't think it's our weakness. I think it's just our humanness. Because, and, and somebody said to me, and it's, it's cool, you can't rewind, but you can always reset. You have the ability, and you and I can't change one thing that was negative, we didn't like, or didn't work out about a second ago, but we can change anything we want about a second from now. Right. And, and I think it's just working. I mean, if you think about it, the, the, the wonderment of life, I mean, there's, and, and I'm very fascinated with, it, with three overlaying things that are all the same. Quantum physics, you expand or you contract. Mm -hmm. Another way of saying it, you grow or you die. And there's one more way of saying it, you multiply or you diminish. And that has implications so beyond what most people dove interpret or define because it's as a human being, as a friend, as a, you know, as a contributor, as a, you know, as a anything. And when you really embrace that, it makes every minute of your life fascinating and fulfilling doesn't mean that they all even when they don't go well because you go okay well that didn't go the way I want <laughs> what did I learn from it what's the implication and you don't it's you know your response doesn't have to be devastated you grow from it, 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 there's a great I mean I've been blessed by so many people that have given me so many great quotes and now when they're probably most applicable I can't remember <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's, I think that the greatest privilege we have is to grow through, not go through, but grow through all the challenges, all the opportunities, all the interactions, all the spectrum of, of experiences that life very generously makes available, but mm -hmm. that don't always we, 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 we sort of leave our tickets at the will call sometimes. We don't take advantage of them. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's, uh, life is best understood looking back. We know that, right? And I think that oftentimes we, 
we don't really see what's in front of us because it's so close. Sunanome, it's under my nose. I can't see it. It's right there. Um, it's but the the interesting thing, but and this is what you know the, those hundreds of people lining up to you are is that they're, they're saying what's under my nose? I can't see it. Right? And you can say, oh, it's right there. That, that guru thing, yeah, that's it. No, no, it can't be that. I've tried that. No, it, it's that. I promise you. No, it mustn't be that. Yeah, it is. Isn't it my hands? No, it's that thing under your nose right there. But that's really, it's perfectly well stated. It's it, in, in the majority of my professional work, I do nothing more than share elegantly obvious things. They just, you know, the old forest or the trees. I mean, I'm, I'm thought of as being this profound thinker and it's really, I'm probably, if anything, very good at, at communicating logic. That's mm. it logic yeah we're already at the end of this part can you believe it we're already at the end of part two we're going to take a break we're going to come back uh we're here with jay abraham the fabulous the preeminent jay abraham and the human being who is sharing with us his heart his soul and his mind and the way he's thinking about people and the changes that have gone on in his life and we're going to come back in a moment we hope that you will come back with us so come back for part three just one click away stay curious my friends stay curious we'll see you in the next part <laughs>